one gopher to another. Enjoy today. I appreciate it. Row the boat, Sky Yamaha. Thanks a lot. Well, what does the Boilermaker do every single time? Okay, he hammers down. And then he hammers down. And he hammers down again. And then he hammers down. RPO is the purest form of communism. If you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one. What? Do you want to go to war, Malaki? I don't think there's anybody out there that with a clear conscience can say it in Nebraska, and especially Tom Osborne, that great man, doesn't deserve a national championship for this. At least a share. Um, can you repeat the part of this stuff where you said all about the things? What is up? This is the Simply the West podcast, the official home of, among other things, authentic manhood. We'll try to back up that claim momentarily, but first, Blake Molly, good day, old chap. How are we doing? Oh, not too bad. Weather's been great here in Nebraska. Just like last week, we talked about how I love the 50s with a slight wind. It's been that way. Has got a little bit of rain. Sounds like you're going to have some crappy weather up there in uh, Minnesota, though. Yeah, Huskers Gophers should be interesting this Saturday with the forecast. Uh, We're recording this on Wednesday. Might be the last day we see the sun here in the Northland until June of 2020. So it was a good run. We had a nice couple weeks of fall, but uh, the tables are turning. It's supposed to, in all seriousness, clear up a little bit after this weekend. Uh, but it's October uh, in, in the Midwest and the upper Midwest. You can get a little bit of everything. Uh, we'll October and April are kind day. of the swing months. Yeah, the Northwoods, eh? Minnesota and Wisconsin. It's funny. You know, we both know a lot of people from Minnesota. We've had roommates, both married Minnesota girls, and uh, the geography references can be confusing sometimes i remember when i moved here people were telling me i was from the south having grown up in nebraska and i said no i i grew i lived in in the south in georgia for a year after college uh the south is you know the mason dixon line nebraska's not anywhere close to that oh yeah and i live and i grew up in kansas and that's uh, i mean even though it might be a little it's a lot warmer than even here in nebraska uh the wind is what gets you you still like I, I remember some of our roommates from Wisconsin. They uh, we living in Kansas. They were like, "Holy cow!" I didn't realize the weather's were gonna the the winters were gonna be this bad. And it's not even like it's that cold. It's just that the wind gets into every crevice of your body. So, if there's one thing that Midwesterners can uh, bond over is that phone call that they call back to their parents and they always ask, well, "How's the weather there?" So, uh, yeah. I think every dad in the Midwest thinks he's a weather expert. He's got his his radar app. And if there's one thing that Minnesotans and Nebraskans both really like to talk about, it is the weather. So, well, yes, indeed, you heard it off the top. This is the 
trademark like Ohio State, official home of authentic manhood. When we say manhood, not necessarily talking about physical achievement or business success, uh, I think real men admit when they're wrong. Uh, your marriage goes better when you admit you're wrong, as we both know. Friendships, business relationships, it takes a man to admit when he's wrong. I, for one, think it's time to admit we might have been wrong, at least in some capacity, about this Big Ten West football race this season. It would appear we're about halfway through the season that, that Wisconsin's really the team to beat. This thing doesn't look quite as wide open as maybe it did. Uh, but my question to you off the top, now that our, our geography lesson is behind us, am I wrong about being so wrong about the Big Ten West through half the season? Um, I won't concede anything yet because it's just getting started. Um, I do think that Wisconsin is probably the best team, but they do have probably, if not the most difficult, the second most difficult schedule out of the entirety of the Big Ten, right behind Iowa who has to play Penn State this week. So, I mean, uh, and you got Wisconsin, who's playing one of the best defenses in the country in Michigan State as well. The difference that Wisconsin showed, as I think we would we saw this weekend against Michigan, is that they have Jonathan Taylor. And that guy's a freak, and he's the reason why Michigan had such a hard time stopping them. We'll talk about this a little bit more, but when you have four turnovers and you only lose 10-3, to three, that's saying something about how good your team, but also saying something how bad your offense is, or at least uh, unable to generate yards against quality opponents. So, whereas Wisconsin, I think they're above average in offense, and they could be really good if they could figure out how to get a little bit more play out of the quarterback. Absolutely. Well, we're going to learn this weekend. Uh how wrong we are, to your point, with some of the matchups we have coming up. Um, most notably, I would say, in a contest that, that you and I have been looking forward to for some time, uh, for us personally, when Minnesota and Nebraska play, worlds collide a little bit. Uh, as we've talked about before, Blake's lovely wife, Liz, is from Maple Grove, Minnesota. Uh, my wife, Sarah, is from there. And well, uh, both of us got married in the land of 10,000 lakes and actually uh, were present at each other's weddings. Uh, I grew up in Omaha. Blake lives there now. And I will be there Saturday with members of, of both sides of the family. Uh, some hand warmers, hopefully some caribou coffee and uh, at some point, I think some some fireball or other very hearty whiskey is going to have to be part of the picture to warm the senses. As a Husker fan, just hoping I won't have to hit the bottle too hard during and after that game, depending oh, yeah. how the state of affairs goes. And as most Husker fans will say, new drinking game. Anytime there's a bad snap, you got to take a shot. So we might be drunk by halftime. Yeah, I don't know if my hands will even last that long, uh, the way the forecast is. We'll talk about it in a minute, but in speaking of hitting the bottle, uh, got myself a nice, uh, we said we, we that Chicago, the Chicago craft beer market has been a little bit underrepresented on the Simply the West podcast today. Well, no more. Uh, Goose Island IPA making its Simply the West podcast debut. Picked up some of this stuff tonight. If you like a nice solid IPA, you can't go wrong with, uh, as they, when they say in my neighborhood, bring some of the goose. This is what they're talking about, not vodka, um, as, as they might say in some other parts of the Minneapolis, St. Paul metro area. But, but Goose Island's a really good solid IPA, a little bit of a grapefruity finish. Even if you're not 
not a big hops person. It's it's fairly balanced for an IPA. It doesn't hit you too hard. Uh, can't go wrong with the goose. Yeah, and I got myself a Thunderhead Brewing Company lager called the the Shabins or Shabins lager. And this is based out of Kearney, Nebraska. If you have not been to Kearney, Nebraska, that just means you have not driven on I-80 at all uh, west of Omaha or Lincoln. And Kearney is uh, really close, about 10 miles north of where my mom grew up in Minden, Nebraska, uh, home of the Whippets. And I would say that this is probably a really good in-between between your um, Bud Light, Coors Light, and a nice hearty lager. Uh, and I like that because sometimes it gets too crafty for me on the lager side uh, if you go through some craft beers, but not too light. It's not too light like a Bud Light or a Coors Light or anything like that. Not that I don't like those. My my rule is it's got to be cold and free, and this is at least cold. Words to live by. Well, it's going to be cold here in the Twin Cities when the Huskers and Gophers face off at 6.30 p.m. Saturday. Uh, Nebraska at number four in this week's power rankings. Not a whole lot of movement in our power rankings this week after last week's games in the Big Ten West. But uh, from where I'm sitting, Nebraska fans should be anxious. I'm anxious. I'm not a betting man like Blake, but uh, I do have a couple of side bets between myself and some Gopher fans here in the Twin Cities. Uh, So if Nebraska is not able to emerge victorious from TCF Bank Stadium Saturday, I will be showing up to work in Minnesota gear and potentially forking out for lunch that Monday as well uh, for a gentleman that I have a side bet with. Hopefully he doesn't pick Manny's Steakhouse in downtown Minneapolis. That would not be good for my wallet. But anyway, Minnesota, number three in our power rankings. Uh, coming off its most complete game of the season, 40-17 to 17 homecoming victory over Illinois. Blake, how do you see this one shaking out in the cold and the wind and the potential wintry mix here? Well, I think my analysis has been spot on for most of the year. It's just my betting, if you were to go opposite of what I picked, you'd probably win a lot more money. Uh, Good thing I'm not putting too much down, otherwise my wife would kill me. Um, But that being said, Actually, this score is probably what the score of the Nebraska game would have been if Nebraska didn't shell out four turnovers as well like Iowa did. Uh, Against the Illini, yeah. Against the Illini. Um, What's scary for Nebraska is that finally Minnesota put together a complete game against some weaker schedule, whereas Nebraska still has not put together a complete game. Correct. Against anybody. And uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit more, uh, but – Nebraska, that's the scariest part is that they have not been able to have any type of consistency out of the offense whatsoever other than a few players individually. But as a team, as a whole, the defense has been spot on, whereas last year was not that great. That was, They were relying on their offense a lot more. Um, you're just And the other thing that I really am afraid of more than anything, not that the running backs, for whatever reason, I know that they can be really good because they've been good in the past and they're all the same. They run the read option a lot, and Nebraska, every time they've seen it this year, has not been that great. Uh, That's the quarterback and uh, running back read option out of the shotgun. So 
uh, that scares me a little bit from that standpoint as a as a Husker fan. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Minnesota? Let's see how how do you think they're going to do? Sure, I think uh, even you go back to last year's game in Lincoln that Nebraska ended up running away with primarily on the legs of Divino Zigbo in the second half, but. Uh, you'll recall Zach Anikstad, the, the starting quarterback for Minnesota last year, got hurt in that game, didn't play the second half. Tanner Morgan came in. Uh, the fighting flex started going with some more of that read option, and it gave Nebraska trouble. Uh, that that was The momentum was starting to turn a little bit in the third quarter until the Blackshirt defense came up with some turnovers, and Devine got his legs going a little bit. That read option is problematic even going back to last year. Anikstad had hurt again in preseason camp for Minnesota this year. So Morgan's been the guy all season. I think the term that gets thrown around regarding him is serviceable quite often. He's been more than serviceable in the past couple of games. Looked really good against Purdue going through the air and threw three touchdown passes again against Illinois. And now he's got a, a ground game complimenting him like you talked about. Rodney Smith over 200 yards. Shannon Brooks broke the century mark against the Illini. And on the other side of the ball, Minnesota's defense held Illinois to just 91 yards rushing. The The Gophers' defense has been finding its footing a little bit. They've had some turnover at some key positions, but guys like Carter Coughlin, at linebacker, um, have really come along and are kind of carrying that defense. The Huskers are going to have to get that ground game going. Uh, I could see Didrick Mills maybe having kind of a breakout game if Nebraska's going to have some success. He's looked pretty good between the tackles. I think he's got a little better each week and looked a little more comfortable. Um, you know, the Ohio State game notwithstanding because nobody looked comfortable a couple weeks ago uh, in Lincoln for the Scarlet and Cream. Here's the silver lining for Nebraska in terms of what Minnesota brings to the table. Illinois is probably the toughest team Minnesota's played, and the Lovey Bears are now 2-3 and three and haven't won a conference game in two tries yet. Uh, they're ranked sixth in our power rankings. So, uh, again, we're going to learn a lot. Uh, like you said, it's it's we're at the halfway point of the season already, which is crazy. Um, but at the same time, we're going to learn a lot more, and, and there's a long way to go. Uh, starting this weekend as we get into kind of the stretch run of things here. Yeah, and I mean, we're, we're going to talk about this now, is that Nebraska, the big thing is, is oh, I mean, who's going to be the quarterback? Looks like it's going to be sure. Noah Bedrill, who uh, went to my dad's high school in Wahoo, Nebraska. Great Wahoo! name. Yeah, Bishop Newman High School. But he was, a, he was at UCF with Frost his first year, came last year, sat out, but then was deemed eligible again. Uh, got to play in a few games. I think he still got to keep his red shirt, or I can't remember how that worked or not. But uh, now, and he looked pretty decent for the little bit. I think he was in for the whole fourth quarter. Uh, got them into field goal range, let a drive. Probably could have got a, a touchdown if they were if they had, had a little bit more time. Looked comfortable. Uh, Adrian didn't, although he was in pads today. Him and, and Spielman were both in pads, so two of their best players on the offense. The thing is, it really, what I'm going to talk about more than anything is the fact that Midwesterners are going to love this because we're like farmers. Nebraska is like, it's like me. My dad grew up on a farm, and my grandparents are, are still farming. My uncle's farm still. And it's like I came out and said, hey, I'm going to buy a farm. I know a little bit about it. 
I know that I have to have some good soil. I got to have these good tractors. And so I invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into some GPS equipment, some great tractors, some harvesters, some all this different equipment, this, this top of the line seed. But I didn't look at the ground and that the ground has to have a lot of work put into it to have good soil. That is where Nebraska is. They don't have good soil, namely the offensive line. That's what produces the crops, that produces, that allows for it to get that extra bushel out of every acre um, with all those neat toys of the GPS tracking and everything like that. If you don't have good soil, you're not going to have a good crop, and that's what that's what's happening. We don't have good snaps. The offensive line is consistently whiffing with any decent players. There's not any type of consistent. It's throwing off the entire offense. Yes, you might have Wondell Robinson. You might have J.D. Spielman. You might have some really good athletes in the backfield like Adrian Martinez. But when everything is off schedule, it doesn't give any of those younger players or any of those talent to get the ball and to actually practice when things are supposed to happen. That is where Nebraska is. They have great talent on the outside, but inside, it, and that that's the problem. Recruiting, it takes two to three years before most offensive linemen can develop into what they are. That's why that's why Wisconsin is always good is because all of their offensive linemen are juniors and seniors every year, it seems like. Constant development. And look, a game like this where the conditions are probably going to have some effect, that's when you need – very solid line play on both sides of the ball. I think Nebraska's defensive line has been uh, above average to good this season. It'll be a good test for them against a big, but I would argue underachieving Minnesota offensive line. They like to go jumbo. They've got that 400-pound right tackle. Uh, They'll bring in a couple 270-pound tight ends and go double tights and run some power. Going to be a great test on that side of the ball. This is a prove-it game for that offensive line for Nebraska. We've talked about the lack of depth, uh, but I'm looking for a guy like Farniak, the captain and starting right tackle. This is a time to make a name for yourself. This is a time to put your hand in the dirt and and really step up and, and prove that this thing can be better than, than just an inconsistent mess, which really it's been to date. We've talked about the forecasts a lot, looking like upper 30s chance of snow perhaps the biggest thing that could play effect depending on how that precipitation works out is the wind 15 to 25 mile per hour winds we've we've stood in much worse than that hailing from nebraska and kansas but tcf bank stadium is kind of a weird place to kick and throw just ask blair walsh for the vikings when they played there a couple years ago an infamous missed kick in the playoffs uh, i remember when the vikings were playing the those outdoor games at TCF for a couple of years uh, wasn't uncommon for the Vikings kickers to, to kind of have a, a rendezvous with the Gophers kickers to talk to them about, about the way the wind works in that stadium. It actually faces East West. So um, depending what end zone you're in, you can see downtown Minneapolis behind the end zone and the wind kind of whips around in that stadium. Um, so Kicking and special teams have been an adventure for Nebraska all year. You you hope that doesn't come into effect. But but speaking of special team adventures, uh, we haven't even mentioned it yet, but uh, a last-second field goal to beat Northwestern last week wasn't pretty. Absolutely not. Did a lot of facets not go very well for the Huskers? Absolutely. But if that game showed one thing, it's that Nebraska's learning how to win, at least in some increment. 
that's a game Nebraska loses the past several years. It just is. Um, maybe they're getting over some sort of hump there. They've found ways to lose. They found a way to win, even if it was a third-string kicker named Lane McCallum who came to Nebraska because he didn't want to kick, barely eking a game-winning field goal over the outstretched hand of, of Northwestern's players trying to block it. So that's a good sign. Whoever wins this game, we've talked about it being big in terms of the Big Ten West race. Whoever wins is going to be right there with Iowa and Wisconsin in terms of the standings. I just think the Badgers are way better than than any of these teams. We'll see what happens. 6.30 p.m. Central on FS1. And uh, like I said, bring your hand warmers, get out the caribou coffee and hot chocolate and beverage of choices if you are venturing to the Twin Cities, uh, downtown Minneapolis, as either a Gopher fan or a Husker fan. We did mention Illinois. Meanwhile, uh, the Illini host number 16, Michigan, at 11 a.m. on ABC. That is going to be a tough one for Lovey's group. But you mentioned it, Blake. Speaking of Michigan, what a slobber knocker this past Saturday between the Wolverines and Hawkeyes. Iowa number two in our power rankings this week. Harbaugh's boys eked out a hard-fought 10-3 victory in Ann Arbor. As you said, Blake, that offense for Iowa, especially on the road, just has has been inconsistent at best and and downright incompetent at worst the past couple years with Nate Stanley under center. What did you see in that one between Michigan and Iowa? Well, for Iowa fans, I think that more than anything, just welcome to the way Nebraska feels when they see lesser teams or at least – Teams just dominate an offensive line. Michigan, Michigan's uh, defensive line was able to, in passing downs, get after Nate Stanley all game long. But really, it was some really questionable play calling. If you look at the statistics, other than, I mean, they were about even on the yardage, but they had like 10 more first, da- first downs than uh, Michigan. They had higher time of possession. Uh, Michigan did a great job of fixing their run fits. Uh, there's a great video on BTN on YouTube from Urban Meyer. Uh, he was showing how they had good run fits and spilling to different defenders and all that stuff. It was really good from that perspective. So if you want to look more, go to YouTube, BTN. Did you uh, just give Urban Meyer a compliment? Oh, hey, you know what? If anything, Urban Meyer is a really good coach. <laughs> I mean, say what you want about his person, his personal stuff, or his, maybe his. Uh, his style as far as the way he runs a program when he him as a coach he knows his stuff more than anything i'm i'm being a bit facetious you don't (laughs) have to backtrack it's okay well and i mean it would after watching this game again i if i was an iowa fan this would be probably one of the most frustrating games four turnovers and yet they still were in this game there was a a ton of they got across, and that's the other thing, is they were across the 50-yard line, and then boom, boom, boom. Penalty, penalty, penalty. There was one time where they were, like, on the 35, 38-yard line, and there was a 10-yard holding, and then a false start, then a 10-yard holding, and then another false start. Like, three penalties in a row, and they're already back on the other side of the 50. Couldn't even get – I mean, that's the, that's the crazy thing, is they couldn't get into field goal position to even get a chance to get some more points. Because imagine if they would have been able to get three more – field goals at those times that they got in there, they would have won this game. Michigan, their offense is uh, it it's it's not that great, but honestly, Iowa's defense is just as good as Wisconsin's. Mm. That's that's the other thing is that it's just as good as Wisconsin's defense. Um 
from a coaching standpoint, it just looks – I would be really frustrated, and I don't know if it's Brian Ferentz or Kirk Ferentz or who's holding back who, but we, they always talk about with Sean McVay about how all of their runs, a play-action pass comes off, of, comes off of it that looks exactly like the runs or and vice versa. That's not happening with Iowa. None of their play action looks like their their run, and none of their runs look like it's going to be play action. They are there's no guessing really from that standpoint. They're not fooling anybody. But here's the thing: they were Nate Stanley was resulting to throw 50-50 balls a few times, and these Iowa receivers were were going up and getting it. So, if they could figure out a way to get a little bit more consistent and have a better play calling from that perspective. Uh, Iowa's a dangerous team. They're, I mean, they could beat Penn State this weekend. I wouldn't be surprised. Penn State ranked 10th in the country. That's been a surprise. Um, on the east side of this conference, Nittany Lions are 5-0. and Turned a lot of heads this season. The quarterback, Clifford, has kind of become a human highlight reel. I don't know where James Franklin gets these quarterbacks, but they've done a great job recruiting really across the board. And that program continues to be a well-oiled machine. So uh, Iowa can't sit around feeling sorry for itself. Does have a chance to, to earn a victory and you beat the number 10 team in the country. That Michigan game seems like a distant memory, 6:30 PM on ABC Saturday. And speaking of Penn state coming off another mammoth conference victory, this time at Purdue's expense, 35 to 7 in Happy Valley this past Saturday. Boilermakers remain seventh and last in our power rankings. All of a sudden, one and four, looking like they're kind of taking a big step back this season. Obviously, the injuries haven't helped. Well, we'll talk about more of this, but like when it comes to recruiting, is they can still recruit through a season like this because I think it was expected, maybe not to this level, because there's been some injuries with Sindelar and even Rondell Moore being out. Um, but if they can recruit through this and get and replenish their offensive and defensive lines, which were decimated by graduation over the last year or two, if they can recruit through this, they're, we didn't expect them to be this bad, but it's really mainly due to injury more than yeah. anything. They're just thin. Uh, yeah. They have good talent, just not a lot of it. Sure. And, so and the, we talk the, about, sorry to cut you off, just each, I think you're alluding to it. Uh, each of these programs has a ceiling and, and Purdue's does not entail being right there for the division every single season. Um, it's going to go in cycles and it's going to go in waves. Uh, but I would agree with you. Um, they, they have the right people leading that program. We, we've, we've sung Jeff Brahms praises multiple times on this podcast and I'm sure this isn't the last time we will and like we said there's a lot of season left got to ride the tide out try to get hot get on a run and feel good going in toward the end of the year um, a bowl game not completely out of the question for them yeah yeah I mean and that's I think that's what's exciting about the Big Ten West is that there's just so many different really good coaches that can actually for the most I mean you, you don't say Paul Christ or even the funny thing is Paul Christ and Kirk Ferentz are probably the least heralded recruiters. And yet they're the consistently at the top of the, the big 10 West so far. Absolutely. Boilers host Maryland at 11 AM on BTN. Who knows what will happen in that one? Uh, Maryland has been so schizophrenic this season. Uh, you just don't know what Terrapins team you're going to get from week to week. Maybe a chance for, for Purdue to, to start gaining some momentum here the back half of the season. 
Yeah. Northwestern, meanwhile, number five in our rankings. Wildcats are idle this week after that tough loss in Lincoln. Uh, they'll be revving up for a Friday night game against Ohio State on October 18th. And the crazy thing, Blake, is I wouldn't be surprised if they kept that close because it's <laughs> Northwestern. What, uh, what a tough schedule for, for the Fitzes, though. Really impressed with that Wildcats defense. Um, again, if you're a Husker fan, one, one way to spin it is the Huskers scored as many points on offense against Northwestern as Wisconsin did. Um, they just, like we said, uh, very solid, very consistent team. Uh, I was kind of surprised at how many penalties Northwestern committed. All we talked about, you know, we've talked about to date is how the Wildcats don't beat themselves. Um, speaking of drinking games, maybe take a shot every time you hear an opposing coach say that throughout the season, uh, but Northwestern a little undisciplined. They'll have a chance to clean things up and get ready for Ohio state, uh, here, um, on October 18th. Yeah, in Northwestern, I, I did uh, see some tendencies that I'm pretty sure some uh, uh, some other Big Ten coaches are probably going to see. So it'll be interesting to see how they adjust for the middle of the season. Uh, but they will uh, – that's what they do. They muddy it up. They keep it close. North. It'll be a really good test for Northwestern because they do have – or for not Northwestern, for Ohio State because they have – they're, they're going to see probably the most disciplined defense, not just – and, and they have some really good talent. Patty Fisher and Dan Graziano are, are really, really good. They're going to be playing on Sundays. And they I think they have some other guys that will probably be playing on Sundays as well on that defense. And it'll be interesting to see if Northwestern expands some of that quarterback run game that they got going against Nebraska, who does not have a bad defense, although they got killed by Ohio State. Yeah. Not an exclusive company there. Even look at what Ohio State was able to do against Michigan State. Uh, the more I see of the Buckeyes, the more I think it's evident they're just on a different level. Um, if there's a more talented team top to bottom in the country, I'd like they to see They can't it. be looking ahead right there with Alabama. It's true. We will be, though. Um, then there's Wisconsin, number one in our rankings. Took care of business against Kent State. 48 zilch Jonathan Taylor scored five touchdowns yada 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 right it's not like we learned a whole lot from from that game but we are going to this Saturday at 2 30 p.m on Big Ten Network uh the Badgers haven't seen a defense quite like Michigan State's yet even after surrendering over 500 yards to Ohio State in that 34 to 10 loss the Spartans rank seventh nationally in total defense. Um, so this is going to be a great test for Jonathan Taylor for that offensive line. And we'll see where Jack Cohn is too, the guy under center for Wisconsin, what they're able to do with him. Of course, Blake, who's number one in total defense, that would be Bucky. It's going to be a fun day of football uh, this this Saturday, and I'm really looking forward to this game. It should be a great matchup. Oh, the Badgers, they're fierce on defense, eh? Yeah. Oh, that they are. There's yes. – <laughs> they might not be anything special on offense other than uh, Jonathan Taylor, like we talked about. And that offense really does, uh, after watching that Northwestern game, even the reason why Northwestern was able to muddy it up, they kept them off schedule. They were in second and long. They barely, they didn't have a, they sold out on the run. And uh, for whatever reason, Jack Cone, I mean, it was crappy weather, so Jack Cone didn't, throw the ball as well as he had in previous games. So it'll be really interesting to see if Michigan State will be able to get 
Wisconsin off schedule and if Wisconsin throws a few curveballs at them to stay on schedule. Uh, that's what, I mean, that's what happened to Iowa essentially is that they did not stick to their guns and were off schedule. We're playing behind the sticks most of the game and we're having to drop back and throw. And when you give elite pass rushers the opportunity just to uh, pin their pin their ears back and go, they nine times out of ten, eight times out of ten, beat good, even great offensive linemen. So we'll see how uh, Wisconsin fares. I still think that they have a better offense than Michigan State. Uh, I think they're both – I think uh, Bucky has the most – skilled all-around defense from a front seven perspective but their their defensive backs are really good too so uh it'll be a good test to see if they can uh stop a team from keeping them off schedule it'll be an exciting afternoon no question about it that brings us to our stories of the week i'll go first this time blake if that's all right with you and i'm gonna take the low-hanging fruit from this past weekend. That is the story of Mr. Lane McCallum, uh, that backup-to-the-backup kicker who hit the game-winning field goal against Northwestern. Lane grew up in Norfolk, Nebraska, a great community northwest of Omaha. Can we settle a debate here? It's Norfolk. It's, Nor- it's Norfolk. There is no R in the second syllable. I know that it stands for the northern fork of... Which river is it that runs through there, Blake? Is it the Platte? It's a north fork of a river. I think it's the Elkhorn, actually. Uh, someone can look that up and correct us and tell me how uh, I've gotten away from my roots not knowing my Nebraska rivers. In if any you case, from Nebraska and you say Norfolk, though, it is not correct. Uh, I agree to disagree. People from Norfolk say Norfolk. Right. That's because it's wrong. In any case... Lane from Norfolk went to Air Force. He was a scholarship kicker there and says he essentially got bored on uh, talk about being a man enough to admit something. Uh, if you've ever been to a college football practice, the kickers don't do much. They, 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 they get into the special teams, um, you know, team, team scrimmage type situations and do some kicking. They'll, they'll kick a few balls around off to the side to keep their legs fresh and, um, really other than that, they don't do a whole lot. So he essentially said he was getting bored and wanted to get back to playing a scrimmage position so he could pr- essentially participate more in practice and in games. Uh, so came back home, walked on at Nebraska to play safety and allegedly kept his kicking exploits secret from the coaching staff. I'm not sure how you do that when you were, uh, such a high level kicker in high school uh, at Norfolk, but, um, Essentially, he he was a safety, and then this season happened. Uh, Barrett Pickering gets hurt. Backup Jorgensen gets hurt. Um, so they basically called on McCallum to come in and said, "Like we we need you to kick. We're running out of options here." Um, he'd been kind of in and out kicking in a couple games before Northwestern. Uh, obviously, doinked one off the post, the goalpost, uh, in the second half against the Wildcats, but actually had a 35-yarder, his other kick in that game, that, that looked great. Uh, he absolutely nailed that one. So he's got it in him. And uh, probably the guy moving forward here, there hasn't really been a whole lot of clarification on what's going on with Pickering. Uh, but when you hit a game winner in a game like that, uh, becomes the stuff of legend and Norfolk had to be a fun place to be on Saturday. Uh, but get this, this is a tweet from fellowship of Christian athletes, Nebraska 
Um, and it's a quote attributed to Lane McCallum. Going out on the field in Memorial Stadium is incredible, and with my eyes focused on Christ, I have no fear of the outcome because I know that no matter what, God loves me, and my future is with him for eternity. Kind of shows what that young man is all about, take it or leave it, but a cool story for him, and we'll see what happens with Nebraska's kicking situation moving forward, but uh, a great story and, and a great win for the Huskers as they, again, try to figure out how to win a little more. Well, and, and of course, you got to remember that Noah Vedrill is technically, they both actually gave, him and McCallum both gave up scholarships to come back and walk on on Nebraska. And uh, and they both put them put them in pos- Nebraska in position to win that game. Uh, my big thing for this week really is all about recruiting because if you look at, I mean, we have a little bit of a false five and zero from uh, Minnesota. I don't think anybody's under the illusion that Minnesota is a top ten, top fifteen team. Even uh, they're kind of like that guy that just picked up Tetris and was figuring it out on the easy level. But as it starts getting a little bit harder and starts playing some harder teams, he might get past a few decent team, decent levels. But as soon as it gets hard, uh, it starts to car- start crashing down a little bit. And it'll tell us a lot about how good this uh, recruiting and how good this foundation from a culture standpoint, how they're going to push through a tougher stretch as they play uh, a little bit tougher stretch um, here over the next couple weeks. You know, Nebraska being probably their toughest opponent since they've started. Uh, not saying that Nebraska is as tough as we thought they were at the beginning of the year. Um, and then you look at Nebraska. They have some of the – they had a top 15 recruiting class this past year. But as we said before, those – the offensive and defensive linemen are not going to play for two or three years. It just – they don't have the bodies yet. It takes years to put on really good lean muscle – uh, Wisconsin, they've been at, they've had this program for years. They kept it even going under Anderson, and Paul Chris has continued that recruiting style. They are one of they are the only team with less than ten recruits on their roster with at least four stars in the top ten. Everybody else had in between the thirty five and fifth and sixty. Alabama had like fifty nine and. Clemson was at 40, and then Oklahoma had so many. And there's Ohio a really State good... has 59 or 60 this year, I think. Yeah, and so you're – I mean, there's a really good graphic. It's it's floating around Facebook. Check that out. It's really interesting because recruiting does not tell the whole story. It's all about identifying players that are right for your program, but also identifying players that are going to be able to fit and play. How many – Guys on Wisconsin, I think Jonathan Taylor was one of the only true freshmen to actually play on their team. The guy's a freak. That's the reason why he's playing. The only there's really a, if you're playing too many true freshmen, that means there's there's not a lot of talent in your program. Rondell Rondell Moore, freak. That's why he was playing. Adrian Martinez last Adrian year. Mar- Adrian Martinez last year. Um, even some guys up in Minnesota and uh, and. And Northwestern, even if you have a if you have a lot of true freshmen playing, it's not really a good thing. So it's just really interesting to see how we're gonna how how these coaches are gonna fight that because I actually disagree with you. I think Purdue actually has a little bit higher ceiling than most people think because they are in that Kentucky, uh, Illinois, uh, St. Louis corridor where they could probably steal a few people out of there. They might not be able to get. Uh, a top 15 class with a top 25 class, 
would be something that, that you could see them shooting for a lot more. Wisconsin, if they could figure out a way to maybe get some more of these high-level uh, skill position players and even higher-level um, quarterback play, you could see how much better they'd be. Same with Iowa. If they could figure out a way to have – I mean, really, the d- only difference between Iowa and Wisconsin other than maybe – Uh, a little bit better run offense from a play calling and schematic perspective from Wisconsin is they have not had an elite runner. They have not had an elite running back. And they've kind of pieced it together back there past few years. I mean, when's the last, I mean, I don't remember a running back going in the top three or four rounds for Iowa. There's not a whole lot of names that stick out. Um, Wadley a couple of years ago was pretty good. I'm not sure well, whatever he, happened to him, but well, I, yeah. it wasn't a top-level talent for sure. Well, because so. you had Monte Ball, you had Melvin Gordon. You yeah, had... nowhere near the level of what Wisconsin has turned out. It's it's There's no comparison. And, and and look, each of these teams kind of has a different formula for success. You've, you've got to get dudes, and you've got to develop dudes. And some schools are set up, like Ohio State, to get a lot of dudes. And... Some schools like Nebraska and Wisconsin have to do a lot more with player development. Like you said, your analogy is perfect. Tilling the soil. Tilling the soil doesn't take a week. It takes years to get good soil perfected. It takes years of of crop rotating to, to really maximize the yield across the entire scope of your farm. It's just a perfect analogy. And each team has a different formula. And the teams that you see in the college football playoff every year, they've perfected both. They're recruiting those players and they're developing them, especially on the line of scrimmage. Um, that's why this thing remains so wide open. You've got some smart people uh, at the top of these programs and um, it's going to go in waves and it's going to go in cycles. So it should be exciting to follow here for years to come. Well, and Big Ten West fans, other than maybe, you know, your Illinois Purdue, just because Purdue's so hurt. Um and even Northwestern, for that matter. Northwestern, if anybody can make a surprise run, is them, just because they've kind of had the track record of winning ugly for so long. But they already, I think they're 0-2 in the Big Ten, is that right, or 0-3? 0-2. Oh, so, yeah, they've lost to Michigan State and Nebraska. And But, if it, I mean, they're still Oh, and Wisconsin, from- I'm sorry. They're 0-3. Oh, yeah. So they're yep. 0-3. So they're probably out of it at this point long shots to get to the Big Ten West Championship. But everybody else, right there lose this week, it's not over. Yep. I mean, they you, you just don't lose hope yet. But at the same time, you're just going to have to start seeing, hey, is this coach doing what we think the formula is? Is he getting that? Because say what you want about Nick Saban. What's really impressive about him is that he's got 59 guys or whatever he has in terms of four- and five-star recruits, and he they stay. You rarely hear about people transferring out of that program, these big-name recruits. And they stay because they want to be there and they want to get better within his program. Same thing with some of these other coaches. Ohio State, yes, same thing. They have some transfers, but everybody wants to stay there. For whatever when reason, you're whatever they're 10 doing. guys to the league every year. That, that doesn't hurt. That's where the no. development piece of it comes in, though. Yeah, but, I mean, I was finding this out. I know Wisconsin knows this as well. Minnesota's trying to make sure that they're to that point. You have to win on the offensive and defensive lines. Nebraska, no because they don't have an offensive line, doesn't have time. And they have a decent defensive line now, not as good as uh, – as 
Ohio State, but they're gonna they're, their defense is gonna give them more chances than they have in the years past because they have a defensive line. When they didn't have a defensive line, it was ugly on from that perspective. So hopefully, uh, we see it. I just want to see the Big Ten West be the talk like the like the East is for at least one year. I want to see us. I want to see the Big Ten West dominate Ohio State, dominate Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State. I want to see them, or at least everybody talking about how good they are, because I think that we have some of the best coaches in the country. Yeah, and I think time will tell. I guess that's just the point I was trying to make off the top is at least this season, as of this this moment in time, on a smaller scale, uh, some of these teams might not quite be there yet, like, you know, potentially we thought they were. We are about out of time. Before we take off, just a brief announcement. Uh, we have added a couple of platforms that you can listen to the Simply the West podcast on. We're now on Anchor. Uh, as well as Spotify and Google Podcasts. So be sure to hit us up on those fine platforms. You can also follow along on Facebook. That's where you'll see Blake post his weekly picks. You're going to do better this week. I have faith in you. I, I think you can can get get uh, get back on the horse here a little bit, uh, uh, even though there's going to be some tough games to pick, and there's some tough spreads and some tough lines uh, put out by Vegas this week. I know this might be my first year, first week that I'm going to pick against Nebraska because they've been failing me. <laughs> you can't. You got to. You got to lead with your head, not your heart. Um, also on Twitter, YouTube, and SoundCloud, uh, and then obviously our website, simplythewest.wixsite.com/simplythewest. Stay warm this weekend, Blake. Watch out for that cold front. We'll catch up with you next week. Hey, see you later. You're simply the-